Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This episode is brought to you by Philo. Do you love TV? Do you love saving money? Then Philo is your solution. Philo has shows, movies, and live TV for just $25 a month. You can even try it for free with their seven-day free trial. No contracts, no commitments, no hassles, just a better way to watch TV. Never miss a minute of shows like the hit docuseries Where is Wendy Williams or classics such as Friends. If you can't get enough TV, then there's no better way to watch. Philo has more than 70 channels like BET, MTV, and AMC. And the best part? You can try it yourself with their seven-day free trial. Sign up today at philo.tv slash poppods. That's P-H-I-L-O dot TV slash P-O-P-P-O-D-S to get 50% off your first month. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, before we get into the show, a super quick reminder. When you leave ratings and reviews for our show, it helps us so much. Even if you don't feel like writing out a review, if you just push those stars buttons, give us a strong review, it helps other people find us. And that is so good for us. Thank you so much for all of your support. Welcome to A Thing or Two, a deep dive into stuff we think more people should know about. I'm Claire Mazer. And I'm Erica Cerullo. If you want more where this came from and want to support us in general, head to a thingortwohq.com and sign up for Secret Menu, which will get you weekly access to members-only content. To share your thoughts on this episode or anything at all, leave us a voicemail at 833-632-5463 or DM us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. Hi. Hi. I wanted to talk about something because... I feel like in the last year, a lot of friends have had babies. I guess everybody's like having pandemic babies that they like conceived in the pandemic. Yeah, and you know what? I think we're also like at, at, at IVF baby age mm, and just mm-hmm. like, there's a lot, there's like a lot going on, I feel like in our, in our lives. So we just, like, I just feel like you and I keep having these conversations with friends about breastfeeding and like making the transition from breastfeeding to pumping or deciding that they don't want to breastfeed or whatever. And I keep finding myself doing this really kind of obnoxious thing, but that I feel really compelled to do where I offer a huge dump of unsolicited advice around weaning off of breastfeeding Mm. because Mm. I was aware when I had Cam that breastfeeding was like so closely tied to hormones. And obviously your hormones are so closely tied to your emotions, which are so delicate and all over the place in the postpartum period. Well, and I think we're increasingly understanding how much hormones are tied to mental health and like not even just like emotions as we understand them on a day-to-day basis, but like, whoa, that like big swirling, whirling, like what's happening in my head stuff. (laughs) Do you know what I always think about? This is totally (laughs) tangential. I don't know, but the smile on your face is killing me. Please, please, please. please. (laughs) Do you remember? And this is when we were at Of A Kindness. Someone who was on our team, our editor, Liz Sheldon, recommended this book called Moody Bitches. And it was just all about like women and hormones. (laughs) And it was like, had the most 80s cover. It was like pink and teal. And it was 
a massive book and it was all caps in pink, moody bitches. And I feel- Why did I never read this? What's wrong with me that I never read it? Hold on. The crazy thing is she described it and recommended it. And I, and for whatever was going on in my life right then, I was like, click to buy immediately. And then like during I, the meeting, probably. Probably. <laughs> and then I recently, or like in a purge, probably a year or two ago, it had been sitting my shelf unread for so long and I got rid of it. And recently I've really been like, I re- am I going to buy that book a second time? Because I really actually want to read it now and I kind of have the time. Anyway, it, I do feel like whoever wrote this book, they were a little early to that realization. Realization, <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, Before getting pregnant, I had read and been really compelled by this really widely shared essay by Joanna Goddard on Cup of Joe about her experience with postpartum depression. And it was really, at the time, sort of groundbreaking because it was this blogger in her particular space where people weren't really talking about depression, weren't really talking about postpartum depression. And she did a really beautiful job writing about it. And one of the things she talks about in the essay is that she realized after the fact, after she had already recovered, that it was triggered in large part by the fact that she quit breastfeeding cold turkey and that like nobody had talked to her about this and that people didn't, this just like wasn't something- There was no guidance around meaning or like what you should, what approach you should take or, you know, or calendar of like maybe on week one, do this. And then on week three, do this. Exactly, (laughs) exactly. And then all of these Cup of Joe readers chimed in because Cup of Joe also has this like really beautiful commenter community. So one of the, the quotes- from the comments is when some women wean, they experience a depression similar to postpartum depression. So weaning off of breastfeeding is the context here. Because of the drop in the hormones prolactin and oxytocin, studies have shown these hormones produce the same kind of feel good as cocaine or ecstasy. So when I weaned, I was having a hormonal crash similar to a withdrawal. And this was my first awareness of it. And I like really clocked it because I, one of my fears around getting pregnant was always postpartum depression because I had a history of depression. And I never saw it talked about anywhere else except in this women's list host that you and I were on for years where someone else spoke up about that she had experienced postpartum depression. She she realized that it was connected to breastfeeding, I think in large part because of this Joanna Goddard essay, but that like she just kind of wanted to spread the word. And I have to say, I would, this list host was so busy and loud and all over the place, but this was this perfect example of like why I think these women's spaces can be so valuable. And well, and it was planting the seed of a thing, right? That you were already like just a little bit aware of. And then here's another thing. And so you're starting to like gather these like little bits and put them together as you're, as you're thinking about getting pregnant yourself. Yes, exactly. And, but it was crazy because there's truly nowhere else until and I still don't see a lot of people talking about this. And then in 2019, after I had already had Kim, I was so excited to see that Megan O'Connell had written this essay for The Cut called Life on Planet Weaning. I stopped breastfeeding and became a hormone detective. And she's she's now breastfed twice. And she's talking about how she's like now very familiar with the experience of weaning or even just dropping a, a pump or dropping a feed and being like, and now I want to die. And that she, you know, shares this with her friends and her friends all go through this. And yet there's so little research about this and that there's like, people just aren't talking about it. And, it was, and that was 2019. And I just thought for sure at this point, more people would talk about it. Megan writes, so little research exists about the maternal psychological experience of weaning that I have read the abstract to this 1988 case study so many times I almost have it memorized. The role of <laughs> breastfeeding and weaning has received remarkably little attention, both in the more biologically oriented studies and in epidemiologic work. This paper reviews endocrinologic 
data which supports the thesis that postpartum psychiatric disorders have a hormonal basis and discusses the possible psychiatric effects of breastfeeding and weaning. And then she says, she writes, you think how many times have my compassionate knowing friends and I exchanged texts to the effect of weaning, skull emoji, knife emoji, despair emoji. A person could come to me to say their house burned down and their mother died and they can't stop crying. And I would look at them askance and say, did you drop a feed recently? And it just felt like one of those things where I'm like, right, like women know this from experience, but it's somehow, despite all the information we share about pregnancy and breastfeeding and, and all the conversation about it and, you know, formula versus breastfeeding. And, and we do talk so much more about postpartum depression now than we used to. People don't talk about the fact that the, the way in which you go about doing your pumping or your feeding and, or dropping those pumps and feeds or increasing them or whatever is going to impact you hormonally and therefore impact your emotions. And I do think a lot of women go through this experience where they immediately after giving birth are totally fine, totally happy. And then six months, nine months later, out of nowhere, are super depressed. And they're like, wait, what happened? I thought I didn't have postpartum depression. I thought I got over that like potential. Yeah. Yeah. Is this something else? Is this not postpartum depression? All of which is to say, this is my PSA that I give to like all of my friends in these long unsolicited emails. And now I'm going to give to this podcast (laughs) audience, which is if and when you choose to either stop or, or decrease the amount of breastfeeding or pumping you're doing, just do it as gradually as you can. And the advice that my doula gave to me at the time was that basically, you know, let's say you want to drop a pump and you're, you're, you're pumping for 30 minutes at a session drop down to 25 for a couple of days, drop down to 20. And then like, it's some, you know, when you get lower, you can start sort of having it and go a little quicker and you can also sort of, you know, feel it out out. by by yourself, but give yourself a week or two, depending on, you know, how much production there is to just like do it as gradually as possible. And you still probably might feel a little sad, but at least having the knowledge that that is why you are sad and why you're feeling this way, I think was really helpful for me. And I just wish people were more aware of it. Like, let's get Emily Oster out there talking about it. Like, she's the one who spreads the word about all this stuff, I guess. I mean, I I do want to call out that Megan O'Connell in general is just like such Mm. a good resource for these things. She wrote a book years ago called, and now we have everything on motherhood before it was ready. And she's now the features editor at Romper. And she's just commissioning really interesting stories. She is a wonderful Twitter follow. If you can like handle the hellscape that is Twitter, because she will serve you these things. Like she did a whole, they did a whole C-section package recently Mm -hmm. that was awesome. They recently just ran a story called Why Is Every Mom I Know on Antidepressants? Mm -hmm. Another really interesting thing that's not specifically about postpartum, but that is just about like these feelings and, you know, people, how are people coping with them and the support that they're getting? It's such a good call out. She, she is, I think, just doing so much important work. She's smart. She's great. Thank you so much to our favorites over at MoMA Design Store for sponsoring today's episode and for being such longtime supporters and incredible partners of our show. MoMA Design Store is the home of good design and has something for everyone you're gifting this spring. Every product is reviewed by MoMA curators, the same ones responsible for what is on view at the museum. MoMA Design Store's selection process means every item meets their good design vision and they truly have something at every single price point. MoMA Design Store has unique relationships with designers that allow them to offer more exclusives, meaning you can't find the same product at any other store. We've been getting some requests recently from people being like, what do I get my friend who just moved into a new home? Or like, Mm -hmm. what do I get my parents who just like moved into like a new, uh, like, you know, downsized or whatever. And this feels like the right time of year to just be doing like outdoor, outdoor, outdoor as much as we can. MoMA Design Store has this spaghetti lounge chair that it's in such good colors. And it's just like so weirdly hard to find good looking uh, 
outdoor furniture. They also have the Amigo and Dondolina. And I have their lawn chair, which is like that classic, like, mm-hmm. you know, 1950s, 60s sitting outside by a kiddie pool lawn chair, but in like the best, most modern And it colors. folds up, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. So that like basic, like, like it takes up no space. If you have like a tiny balcony, like obtrusive it's perfect. Gift where you're like, I'm giving you this chair you have to find space <laughs> for, right? Like That's right. I got it as a gift and it did not yeah. feel obtrusive at all. And Memphis Design founding member George Soudan also has an exclusive PL1 portable light that like you have to go look at the colors because it's like such mm-hmm. a good indoor outdoor thing. And it's like the kind of thing that I don't know if you like people want, but they don't actually like high for themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, you know. Shop online at store.moma.org slash a thing or two or in store in New York City at Soho, Midtown, and at the museum. Use or mention the code a thing or two online or in US stores for 10% off your purchase now through May 29th. Every purchase supports the museum's collection and education programs. This cannot be combined with other offers and restrictions may apply. Hey, beautiful people. My name is Elisa Reynolds, and I'm the executive chef and founder of My Two Cents LA and host of My Last Meal, a new podcast that asks people from all walks of life, whether it's musicians, celebrities, artists, chefs, scientists, Renaissance men and women, what their last meal on earth would be and why. So don't forget to tune in on Fridays. You can find us anywhere you can listen to podcasts. So why not? Let me tell you about the last meal. Should we bring our guest on? Yes, now that I've climbed off my soapbox, my postpartum soapbox. <laughs> Tell yes. us about our guest. Collier Meyerson is amazing. She is a journalist who covers race, politics, and justice for places like The Nation, Wired, and New York Magazine. She's a pal. She's so smart. Her most recent thing is so, so good. It's called so, so Lo- good. It's called Love Thy Neighbor. It's this five-episode podcast series about the riots that took place over four days in 1991 in the Crown Heights neighborhood of Brooklyn, which is like our backyard. I knew... I had a next to nothing about the the story. Yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. What had happened and exactly that much. And I went into this podcast thinking I was going to get a history lesson from like a smart, compelling person. And I just didn't know the sort of ways in which she would weave her own personal narrative into it in a way that is so compelling and just makes it such a good listen, whether or not you think you're going to be interested in the historical aspects of it. But I will say also, I just, I naively hadn't considered how relevant the historical aspects of it still are. Totally. And she does a really good job at that. Well, and it's about a clash between the Black and Jewish mm-hmm. communities in that neighborhood. And Collier is both Black and Jewish, which is mm-hmm. just like an interesting intersection. And she's able to see various sides of this and just have yes. the most interesting perspective I could have imagined going Agreed. into it. Agreed. Yeah. All right, let's bring her on. Hi, Collier. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. We were just teeing up for everybody love thy neighbor, but we'd kind of we'd rather you explain it. You know, you're going to do a better job than we just did. <laughs> it is a look at an event that happened 30 years ago in 1991 in the Crown Heights section of Brooklyn. There was a three-car motorcade that was carrying the most revered biggest deal Rebbe named Menachem Mendel Schneerson of the Chabad Lubavitch community, which has its Mecca, its center, right, in Crown Heights, was in this motorcade. The first car had a couple NYPD officers. The second car had Menachem Mendel Schneerson, the Rebbe, and the third had his, like, 
bodyguards or something like that, you know? His entourage. His entourage. (laughs) And unfortunately, it went through an intersection and hit a seven-year-old and nine-year-old couple of cousins, Gavin and Angela Cato. And Gavin ended up succumbing to his wounds. And this sort of sparked what's now known as the Crown Heights riot. But really, of course, it wasn't about this one moment. It was about, you know, decades and decades of disinvestment from the community and like two communities, one West Indian, one Lubavitch Chabad, which I mentioned, fighting over scraps in a pretty underserved community. And this was sort of the 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 straw that broke the camel's back, so to speak. And what was your what was your interest in this story? What was your personal stake in it? So I also come from New York City, and I'm black and Jewish, but my family is secular, so I really had nothing to do with this community up until I made this podcast, except that I lived in Crown Heights and. I was always super annoyed when we would get, I would like my friend who's actually Irish would get stopped in the street with me and asked if she was Jewish because Mm. the particular Mm. group Mm -hmm. does proselytize to other Jews, which is like, they're probably the only group of Jews that does this. And I was always super annoyed because I was like, ah, they don't think I'm Jewish. Just because I'm They're not asking me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so I'd like do all of these things, like chime in and say like, oh, are you, you, it's Sukkot, I see. (laughs) And they would be like, drop your knowledge. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. (laughs) And because it's like, I get really annoyed too, but I'm like, I'm actually on a run right now. Like I'm jogging. I'm exercising. Claire, stop bragging about being asked. My run. Stop bragging about being asked. Yes, yes, it's stop true. bragging it's true. about it's looking Jewish. Okay, <laughs> you're right. You're why right. Why they asking me? I'm Jewish, which was like a weird thing that nagged at me. So I, I realized that like maybe I had some unexplored stuff around my own Judaism and. And like thought this community was super interesting in that they proselytized to other Jews and seemed like sort of open. I mean, I found out after I did this podcast, like I met all these people from so many different walks of life because they, they really bring in a lot of people to become mm-hmm. what's called balachuva, which means like a Jew who becomes a lot more religious. It's like someone like me right. who then decides like, oh, I'm going to become Shomer Shabbat. And of course, my West Indian neighbors who I lived among, I lived in the Black part of Crown Heights, felt like family to me because we look very much alike. And everyone was always like, oh, you Guyanese, like which island are you from? So there was much more of an organic kind of seamless, I'm family to them. And my dad also is a civil rights attorney, a Jewish civil rights attorney. So he, I kind of grew up steeped in this sort of uh, progressive Jewish bastion that really believed in the Black Jewish Alliance. And I was sort of looking to go beyond this idealistic, you know, union of Blacks and Jews and, and look at two communities who had like 
to be sort of frank, like an acro- a very acrimonious relationship. So yeah, so that's that's like my long-winded answer of of why I was interested in it. And then this sort of more existential pursuit I had about what what it really means to be a good neighbor. That is something mm-hmm. I'm like constantly mm-hmm. thinking about living in boxes on top of each other in New York City like what what does it mean to, to mm-hmm. be a good neighbor? Like, do you need to like break bread with your neighbors? Do you need to like have their keys? Do you need to like, like, what, it, what does it mean? And, and who are you living next to? You know, mm-hmm. so, how yeah. are you feeling about right. that right now? What would you take? What's your take say, did on you, being a good neighbor? <laughs> yeah. Did you figure it out? Yeah. So I think what I realized is that it doesn't mean all of those things, but it does. I think that like, like you don't need to break bread with somebody if you're kosher and they're not, and you don't need to be best friends. And cause, cause New York and, and also the country is sort of like founded on these ideas of the melting pot, or at least that became sort of crucial to the American lore, American dream. Like, Oh, we're people who can actually what it is assimilate, right? And so I had like any person in America, specifically in New York, like sort of romanticize that idea of New York. Like here's this melting pot of different people and and anyone can be like friends with anyone in New York. Is that your experience of it growing up as a kid? <laughs> no, not you. <laughs> but it was part of your lore. But I yeah. would do yeah. that. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But yes, of course, I like had friends from all walks of, of, of life from different socioeconomic backgrounds growing up, races, religions, et cetera, et cetera. I think part of it was, for me, was kind of breaking down the idea that like, that I like needed to keep romanticizing this idea that New York was this place where like everyone should or want to get along and really find ways to come together for like economic uplift. And, you mm-hmm. know, like if it's a community like Crown Heights, which again, like people are fighting over scraps there. Those are the kind of alliances that I, it sounds sort of like unsexy and practical, but in the end I was like, oh, like these are the the ways in which I think being a good neighbor works and is like, that is, that is being a good neighbor is like working with your neighbor to get more resources into your community rather than like, you know, eating challah for the first time or something, you know? Thank you so much to Cozy Earth for sponsoring today's episode. Um, Something we learned about Cozy Earth is that Mm -hmm. the founding story involves couples who sleep at different temperatures, which like- because they did. And they were always struggling with this. Deeply relatable. Like talk Mm -hmm. about relatable founding story. Um, I feel like I'm like in that situation where I always need like covers over me. And I get so pissed when like Thomas will like get in the bed and like like try to throw a comforter off. I'm like, what are we doing here? Mm -hmm. Like- no. Um, and even if I'm like hot, I need to be like all wrapped up in things and same. You need, yeah. you need the weight of the thing. Yes. I need the weight of the thing. I need a sheet over me. I need like my toes tucked in. I need all of that, which also means I need sheets that aren't going to make me sweat. Well, 
Cozy Earth has temperature regulating sheets, which is amazing. So they develop and craft high quality goods with responsibly and sustainably sourced materials from the earth so that you can get the restorative sleep you need to make your bed your sanctuary and recharge from the comfort of your home. So all Cozy Earth products are made from soft and sustainable viscose that is made from bamboo fabrics and it is softer than cotton. Their sheets are temperature regulating, which means they'll keep you cool and comfortable all night long. And while we know our endorsement carries a lot of weight and like probably, you know, as much weight as anybody else's, just in case it helps. Cozy Earth has been on Oprah's favorites list four years in a row. So, you know, if in case you needed backup from, you know, somebody other than us. Cozy Earth has a 10-year warranty on all our products and offers a 100-night sleep test. So you can try it for 100 nights. And if you don't love it, you can send it back for a full refund. Cozy Earth provided an exclusive offer for our listeners today. Take 35% off site-wide when you use the code a thing or two at CozyEarth.com. That's CozyEarth.com. Use the code a thing or two for 35% off site-wide. Thank you so much for supporting the sponsors that make this show possible. Thank you so much to Murad for sponsoring today's episode. I've had this revelation recently that there's so many men in my life who I consider like, you know, like 2022 with it people who like, Mm -hmm. know, who like get all the things in the world, like don't use skincare, don't use sunscreen, like don't do the obvious things. I'm like, what's wrong with sunscreen? Come on. Like if you don't want to use moisturizer, fine. Like be my guest. No, I I disagree. I think like you should be using both of those things for sure. I mean, I agree, but, but sunscreen at the very least, like, come on guys. Well, I think the pitch Claire is that Murad is a moisturizer and a sunscreen. So it's like a bit of that two in one situation. It's like that entry point, like maybe, maybe you'll feel better about everything if you just do this. I'm with you on this. Um, Murad is a dermatologist founded skincare with highly effective products backed by clinical testing and validated by proof and science. They don't make empty claims. They just make science backed, clinically proven total skin health. If you're relying on a separate serum and sunscreen to correct and protect against dark spots, or if you're not using either, then try Murad's two-in-one innovation. Correct and Protect Serum Broad Spectrum SPF 45. It combines the proven results of a treatment serum with a satiny smooth, it really is satiny smooth, I have to say. It is so smooth and lovely and makes such a nice base for makeup too. It is 100% mineral SPF. And we all know at this point that like you gotta go with the mineral SPF. That's the real deal. It helps future-proof your skin and it brightens your skin the more you use it. Clinically proven to correct discoloration while preventing hyperpigmentation like dark spots and uneven skin tone, this SPF protects without leaving behind a white cast. Shop Murad.com to save 20% and get free shipping with your $60 purchase when you use code a thing or two. Again, that's murad.com, M-U-R-A-D.com. When you use the code a thing or two, you'll get 20% off. Thank you so much to Nutrafol for sponsoring today's episode. You know, millions and millions of Americans experience thinning hair. And it's just one of those things that I think we tend to put in a bucket is like, an aging male problem when in well, fact- Well, because the commercials have taught us that, yeah, Claire. Exactly. The commercials have said, men lose their hair. Here's how we fix it. <laughs> right. And like, it's not just men of a certain age and it's not just men. There's so many women who are experiencing this and people just don't talk about it. And I think it can be like weirdly isolating, like so many things that we don't talk about. But thousands of women are using Nutrafol to grow thicker, healthier hair and seeing so many benefits. It's not just, I mean, it's one of these vitamins that will help your hair grow thicker and stronger and healthier, but in so doing, because it has so many vitamins and minerals that your body needs, it can also improve sleep, have stress, give you better skin and nails. It's just one of those things where it's like, there is a solution to this. You don't just have to feel ashamed about it. So many friends who've experienced it, I've experienced it. It's worth, it's worth giving Nutrafol a shot. 
Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth thickness and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the five root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, and metabolism through whole body health. Nutrafol has three unique formulas to support women throughout all life stages, including postpartum and menopause. Each formula is physician formulated using natural drug-free medical grade ingredients in consistently effective dosages so you can get the most reliable results. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. 3,000 top doctors and stylists recommend Nutrafol as an effective and high quality solution for healthier hair. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to Nutrafol.com and entering the promo code a thing or two to save $15 off your first month subscription. This is their best offer anywhere and it is only available to US customers for a limited time. Plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code a thing or two. Did doing this bring you closer with your parents? Because there's some insanely like moving and charming audio segments of you talking with your parents about this that just like truly floored me. Like I, they were so, such a special conversation to overhear. I think, and I also don't think I was expecting there to be these like really Mm -hmm. personal moments in it that just did bring this to life so much. Yes. Yeah, you know, I have, I wonder like, yes, is the answer. And I wonder for anyone who has to like formally sit down with their parents with like a producer looming over them (laughs) and being like, you must ask them the question that you don't want to ask them. Like Mm -hmm. why I I remember like a producer was like, ask them why you're doing this project. Like why they think you're doing this project. And I was like, why do you think I'm doing Mom, (laughs) you know, like I was like so, and I was like always rolling my eyes at my dad throughout the whole thing. But I think that like it's actually like a practice that I think a lot of people should adopt is like Mm -hmm. sitting with a tape recorder in front of their family who, and you know, like however their family unit is is designed, and like having a formal conversation with them, and then you're just like at the end of it, you're like oh, wow. Like that was actually really tender and weird and like kind of sweet. And now I have it forever. Right. Right. Fascinating. Can you tell us about your thingies? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What did you, what do you, what else are you interested in? What else do we need to know about that's rattling around in your head? I can't take credit for this. I like found it like in the deep annals of bra, brassiere. Internet. Internet. (laughs) So like, you know, when like the back of your bra like gets fucked up in the like wash and like goes like comes is like out and then you can't clasp it Uh Mm -hmm. Uh and it hurts when Mm -hmm. you get it Mm because it's like wires that are not yeah 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 exactly so I found out that you can buy mole foam padding that's Yes, from Dr. Scholl's, it's $4. (laughs) And you cut a little bit of the foam and it's like sticky on one side and you press it onto that wiry part that's sticking out. Yep. And then that's it. Wow. And then you're you're like, you don't look at the bra and you're like, I am so angry. I spent like $150 on this. Because that's how much bras are, which makes absolutely no sense. But here we are. And you're extending the lifespan of it. That's yep. genius. Do you, it reminds me of my 
really uh, wondrous discovery when I was pregnant and my entire rib cage expanded and I couldn't wear any of my bras. Like I, even the bras that had fit my expanded bust didn't fit my rib cage. And I bought these bra extenders mm-hmm. that are basically mm-hmm. like these little, they're like three, three to five inches long and they're, you, they it's extend. like a necklace extender. It's exactly yeah. like a necklace extender, but it's for but the back for your of your bra. bra. <laughs> yeah. And it just changed everything. It meant that I could wear so many bras so much longer through pregnancy and I didn't have to buy new bras for like every two months. It was life-changing. Oh, I wish I had known about those at the time. Truly life-changing. I love that Dr. Scholes makes this product, Collier, because it's like this idea, just like the tagline of Dr. Scholes should basically be padding for your like all the parts that hurt. Like, I know, but, just, but it's like not designed for that. It's like, what's it? It's for your feet or it's, it's for like whatever. for corns or oh, yeah. like, corns. it's definitely for your feet or like, I don't know. Yeah. Like corns or yeah. whatever. Bunions, yeah. whatever Bunions, other feet parts. Some, yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> it's not, it's like, it's not sexy. I'm so wearing something you- that like is for your feet on my back. Bra. Yeah. But, <laughs> So was this bra Reddit? Like, is, is there a Reddit channel we should link to that's sharing this wisdom? I wish I could find it. I think I like weirdly think it might've been Pinterest. Even I love that even more. I love that even more. (laughs) We sometimes have like weird, you know, DIY, like, Mm -hmm. you know. And it'll be like four stacked images to take up as much of the screen as possible to show you exactly how to do it. It's perfect. Yeah. (laughs) They know know how to to deal with the algorithm. (laughs) Yeah. So that was my first thingy. And then I've been getting really into this. There's this site called Jinin. Oh, yes. Oh, J-I-N-E-N. The, the, the Japanese, Japanese yes. good store. Incredible. Tell us. Yes. yes. So, good. so I can't remember who told me about it. And sometimes I think it's you guys. I'm a real evangelist. And they have these Hinoki forest incense mm. sticks. And then it's like beautiful holder. And you can re-up the sticks. Like you can justify the sticks for this and like then continue to use the holder. And I buy it like for everyone as a gift. It's like 25 bucks and it's very beautiful. It's like a, an objet in itself. And then you have this like amazing incense. Truly such a good gift. Perfect price point. Perfect. Like this, nobody's seen it before. It's ideal. Are you exactly. a big incense burner? I am, you know, but I have two kids and like, for some reason, I like think that it's wrong to burn incense. Kids. I don't even know why. Where I'm just like, yeah. What Pinterest post did this come from? Yeah. <laughs> maybe they're going to get asthma. I don't okay. know. Okay. Okay. You know, like I have no idea what the fear is or like, they shouldn't be smelling incense. Like why Collier? I have no idea. Well, because also we, I feel like associate incense with like being teenagers or like in a dorm <laughs> room exactly or something, you know, say. it's like <laughs> acting out a little bit. I feel like sure. I was introduced to incense in the same context in which I was introduced to marijuana. Like that's yes. how yes. I feel. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Which is what's yeah. happening. Yes. And like a lava lamp. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. It all came from a place that your parents did not approve of. So Correct. that's why, that's what <laughs> Like happened. you had to have a lighter in order to have them. Yes. Absolutely. So it's absolutely. Kind of that. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely bad. My third thing is I have the galley of my friend's book mm. and you can pre-order it, but okay. it's really fucking good. It's called Bad Sex and Ooh. by Dona willis Aranowitz. Mm. Well, it's an incredible title. I know. What is it um, about? 
Well, the, the sort of, well, <laughs> what is the yeah. bad sex? Yeah. What is the bad, is it fictional bad, bad sex? No, it's, it's real bad sex. Okay. It's basically <laughs> like personal essays that weave in like the sexual revolution till now. So kind of like, did you guys ever read Rebecca Traster's books? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. There are a lot, it's a lot like uses the same kind of format, which I love. Sells itself. Love that. Exactly. My fourth thing is, so like I have this weird relationship to like femme sandals. Like I like can't mm. do just it. didn't know where it was going and I love it. <laughs> I have this weird relationship to femme sandals. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like mm-hmm. I've never been able to wear like a lacy lace up sandal mm-hmm. or like, okay. I just like, I feel like I'm in drag every time okay. I'm, I'm wearing like, like a sandal that looks very feminine. But I had this moment where I was like, I think I'm ready for a femme sandal. <laughs> like I'm, I'm going to just jump right into the fire. What did it? Was it like, I've had two kids. I'm now truly a woman. I can step into this <laughs> femme sandal. <laughs> it was that like, I, so like, I can't, like, I can never rid myself of shoes. Like I like mm-hmm. think I ha- I have shoes from when I was like 16 years old. Okay. So I like feel like I've just like got all the sandals that like a guy could have. So I was like, <laughs> and I need a new summer sandal. Uh-huh. So, so you're going like, to have to do a femme one because it's the only exactly. thing left. But yeah. it, it's just like, such interesting timing because it's like now is when all of the clunky sandals of our junior high school era have come back and it's never been easier to avoid a feminine sandal. Like you could just wear a giant brick on your foot and that would that be is fashionably right. That's right. <laughs> That's the thong, the, the brick thong is back. Yes. Brick thong yeah. sandal. And I returning. just think it's ugly. Yeah. I mean, like, it's for me. Objectively, no, no, no. I think it's subjectively <laughs> ugly. Rocket dog, like, yeah. might even agree that it's ugly. So I was like, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to, like, take, it's like a real departure for me when nobody else is doing femme sandal right now. I'm going to do femme sandal. Like my little 36-year-old rebellion. <laughs> and the sandals I've purchased, though they aren't here in time for my trip to Jamaica, are, okay. and I'm gonna butcher this, they're like they're Greek. They're called Kaima or Kima. It's okay. K-Y-M-A okay. and sandals. And they like kind of they're teal, which is also mm. like another big, I feel like, oof, teal. Like who's gonna wear it? You're really if you're gonna sandal? go for it, you're gonna go for it. Exactly. And they're flat, but then, but they do have like a little, like they go up to your ankle, Mm -hmm. you know, like a little, like a little tie, a little strappy up to your ankle. So yeah, that's my, these are very chic. I'm testing the limits of my internet, which is really misbehaving today, but I've Googled, I've Google image. Careful Claire. Yeah, I know. I know they're good. They're good. What were you, what were you Googling to get to them? Femme sandal? (laughs) sandals under $500. (laughs) I will like, actually, to be honest, I was Googling like, like Greek sandal with a back to Mm. support my arch. (laughs) (laughs) And then like, I, I stumbled on upon like a not femme sandal, like actually kind of like a mask sandal. And was like, these are them. These are the ones I'm going to buy. 
And I showed them to my friend and she said, you have 18 pairs of sandals that look like this. You should not buy these sandals. like, that's why I need them. They're perfect. They're calling my name. Yes. And so I said, fuck you. I'm going to buy a whole new kind of sandal. Wow. True rebellion. I hope that that really felt good for you. We'll see, Claire. We'll see what happens when I wear them. And if I, if I wear them. <laughs> but if you didn't, it was still, it was like personal development. You just put, take that out of a different budget. That was just like some personal yeah. growth for you. It's not about right. the utility of a sample. It's a therapy though. budget kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right, yeah. right, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> they were worth like one therapy session. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> wow, I love it. Thank you. And then my last, thingy is there is this website called artifact uprising i'm Mm. sure you know it we love 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 so they make these baby board books yes so this is like a new twist on an old song i basically made a baby board book for my friend's 40th birthday (laughs) photos of him in like various states of repose (laughs) and because he's like always lying down (laughs) And always stoned. So like, I just basically put, cause like every page has, there's like a part where you like write something like, then you were three, right? You know? <laughs> but instead I was like, then you were stoned and lying down. <laughs> and that, so like, yeah. So I, I guess like, I think it, it's like a really great thing to, to use even for people who aren't aren't babies yeah obsessed with that we are also we love this baby board book but our clever twist on it had been to like put all the members of the group chat in it and then give it to the pregnant person in the group chat and be like so now your baby has to learn all our names like this is very important (laughs) but this and like sometimes you throw in a celebrity the group chat always talks about or like a nemesis of the group chat and one of our friends who we gave this to her baby when he looks at the book knows who the nemesis is and points (laughs) and says bad really doing a lot of work yeah (laughs) teaching kindness and acceptance (laughs) true but this this is really taking it to new levels I actually feel like once this baby board book from artifact uprising is around for long enough they're going to need to do a thing of like exposing all of the unique ways in which people use adapt this book they shared recently on social media that someone was doing like fully just like her own illustrated board book in it and I was like right because you could do it you could upload whatever you want here like it's very flexible yeah 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 Yeah. so you could like have your kids drawings and then their text under it or whatever and like publish their book oh that is yeah for your kids drawings oh that's genius I, I it truly is such a it's a great product. It's a great, great product. It really is. It just looks so fancy. It does. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Love this. These were excellent thingies. Truly Thank wonderful. You. Thank you so much for coming on. Everybody needs to check out Love Thy Neighbor. It's good. It's digestible. It's good car ride listening. Mm. Oh, it's perfect car ride listening if yeah. you're like going somewhere with a friend or whatever yes. and want something that's meaty, but also, yeah, but like personal too. Yeah. And it's not true crime, which is it's a huge endorsement. Yeah. Thank you. It's a huge thing. Huge I'm not thing. sure it would re- make you cry either. Maybe like a little. I make you feel like, things, I, but yeah. yeah, maybe not I got cry. emotional for sure. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, maybe not yeah. cry. It's good. Yeah. 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 And it, it's five episodes, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you can, yeah, you'll spin right through it. All right. Well, that's the show. 
This has been a production of Dear Media, and we are so grateful to the talented team over there for helping us make this podcast happen, especially to our wonderful producer, Ali Slice. You can follow us on Instagram at a thing or two HQ. And if you have ideas for our show or want to advertise, email podcast at a thing or two HQ.com. Find show notes and sign up for our newsletter at a thing or two HQ.com too. If you love the show, consider supporting it by signing up for a secret menu also at a thing or two HQ.com. Thank you.